0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk cheese. Recorded live. Hi, Neil and Rich. This is Carol uh, Keene Isaacs. I use the name Keen because I didn't want... I wanted to try to protect my family whenever I was going on to this stuff. I didn't want to really... Which I have, but... Uh, there is, they, they're they already compromised anyway. Um, one of the things I found out in researching is these local police and the officials must be feeding warrants into the LEAP program at the FBI. So um, I just got on the FBI website, so it's pretty informative. So Matt Stripmatter, the sheriff who was involved in, on all this, was promoted up to excise, and there's all kinds of warrants. The most latest discovery um, is the judge issued an order, and he used the name Tammy Orton for the attorney, and he knew good and well what was going on. He also issued a code that has two meanings: one is to take away a child, and the other one, is some kind of backdated Indiana code on a um, basically taking a foreclosure. Although the judge is trying to modify to his order. He's ordered Rachel to pay taxes, so I've ordered the trans. I'm ordering the transcript for that today. What happened was I went to to the courthouse the other day after I saw this order and got study studying it. Tammy Ortman, Tammy Lynn Ortman is her name. She's a director at Lewis and Caps. These attorneys are supposed to use their license name. So, for instance, her license name is Ms. Tammy Lynn Ortman. And she's a director at Lewis and Caps. Another thing that this judge is doing is he will bring in a lawyer under the lawyer's name, which isn't the licensed name like it would be. Andrew J. Thompson is the guy that we hire that we call doing something with the insurance on the case, uh, um, Bank of America versus Regina Dance. I gave you that case number a while back, and I have it, but I don't have it. I don't have it today, downloaded, but I can get it. The summary. But today, what I want to do is, I've got some things in Dropbox. I got the Pro Edition so that I could put things in a folder and explain them to you, and that's what I want to do today. So, this judge issued an order on 8 1 of 2014. In it, and I just found this Monday, in that order, he called, uh, he said Rachel was to pay taxes under the Indiana Code 32 20 10.5. 4.6, I believe. It has two separate meanings. It ties right into the legislative branch, um, part of the uh, notices they give under the National Mortgage Settlement Act. So they're doing a backwards mill, and I'll tell you how I know this. He called, uh, he said that Rachel was to pay taxes to Tammy L., um, to the clerk who was then going to forward it to Tammy L. Orton at And it gave Lewis and Cap's address or her then-current address. So I thought, why in the world would he be doing that? And I know the system that Paul Stickle and all of them use and the system that MetLife uses. They started the family reunion and started the family searches. Pre-America owns Ancestry.com. FamilySearch.org is really a front for the Mormons, but the guy that ran that was Mark Hoffman and uh, he's in jail for killing two people, but he's also a master forger. He sold forgeries to the government, um, big ones. So he's a master forger, and he's the one that ran that. So anyway, this is the database they use, part of it. So what I did was I looked up Pop Orton, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, let me go in here and look at these genealogy sites, because it'll tell the address and everything. Let me see if there's a... Orton that lives in Richmond, so I went under. I went under L. Uh, I went under a uh, um, Tammy L. Orton, and in those solid hits came up. But then I thought, well, I'll just take the first name off. So I went under L. Orton, and bam! Right off the get go, Vicki Joe Lorton Olinger. Now, there was a foreclosure that happened at twenty two eighteen Northwest H Street which is not very far from Rachel's house. That foreclosure happened on February the 6th, 2008, is when City Financial took it over. Um, there, there's uh, evidence that Charles Hyde and uh, Judge Horn in, involved with these people. And so what he's done is he did a secret kind of name thing they do bring in the redocket, and it said her then current address which means now a director of Lewis and Cap's law firm isn't going to move so what he's done is he's wheeled in this other property and it's it's for sure I went to the courthouse the day before yesterday Tuesday went to the courthouse first I went to the county records and pulled every single bit of that property everything done on that looks like first Richmond banks involved and HS um, beneficial so they didn't do releases, even though they are foreclosing. The city financial was foreclosing. The firm Fowdy and Fowdy, who's the one that came after Rachel and is involved in Rachel's case, actually bought the property. They don't have the name listed, but they have the phone number of the buyer listed. So the firm that foreclosed went after them. They did um, affidavits and everything. They didn't serve either one of them. They went to put it into the address, and um, it's, so it's... it's uh, Robert A. Olinger and Vicki J. Lorton Olinger. So I suspect Paul Stickle and all them stole their identities or pulled their house in as a land contract. They had the state of Indiana in there too. So what I did then was I looked. The addresses were Newcastle and Indianapolis and Richmond. So The the phone number, though, was a 219, and that's what's interesting about FamilySearch.org. They're doing something with the debt collectors in the prison system. So they'll cross people's phone numbers. Like, for instance, I get calls here all the time for somebody named uh, um, Robert McNutt. And he's tied to our old phone number. And he's tied to the warranty He's bought a new washer. I couldn't even get the warranty because he had our number tied up out at the uh, Lowell's department store. That's another thing I do need to send you. I'll try to get it right now because in that warrant database that, uh, from DoxPop, there was a, a number. So I did a, a deep web search on that where it just goes down and in deep into the pages. And it pulled up an Excel document on all kinds of department stores. With these various numbers and things in it, so I'll send that to you. So anyway, I found that, um, all the address. I went and looked up that phone number, and it took me to Vicky Joe, Vicky Joe Lorton and a Donald Lorton, and they got a divorce, which I don't understand because they're saying on the mortgage papers that Olinger Robert Olinger and Vicky Lorton Olinger were married, while this chick was still married to the other guy. So that shows me that's like what, Neil, you know what Paul Stickle's capable of. So here we let this guy live. Thought they solved, you guys, we thought we solved the problem with Kathy Puckett. The problem just persisted. Um, abstracts title of Richmond and Freedom title. Um, the title companies are involved because they'll they'll share the work. Not only that, the court is redocketing these cases behind the scenes and right under somebody's nose and thinking that nobody's going to catch it. So I went up, uh, I went to the land records office. Then I went up into the court records office. There was a lady there named Debbie Lynch. And I told her that I, you know, I wanted to see it on the computer. There's about two public access computers. Well, I didn't know it. Judge Horn's clerk was down there, the one that does the transcriptions. They were getting rid of all kinds of documents too. They had all kinds of files out. I told her I wanted to see on the computer. Um, could she help me? And she said yes. Of course, she had to have my license, um, which is a I need to let anybody look at your, use your license. But they're entering license numbers, which makes me leery, but I gave it to her. And I told her I wanted to see the file. So she said she had to go ask if I could. So she came in and she goes, I have to stand right here. I can't leave your side if you look at that. So I looked at it. I said, I just want to inspect it. So I looked at it, and I said, I want copies of everything. Can you go check to see if I can have copies of this? She goes, well, it's going to cost you. And I said, I understand that. I want. I would like copies of this because I know this is the one the judge is tying the case to because of the way he did the name, Tammy L. Orton, O-R-T-O-N. It's O-R-T-M-A-N. Is Tammy Lynn Ortman's name, and he knows it. This is the same judge in the same order. Rachel's name was spelled R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E, then R-A-C-H-A-E-L, then R-A-C-H-E-L. And in DocsPop, all three of those names, even though some of them are closed, are open. And the R-A-C-H-E-L, Dicky that he said was to pay the taxes, is the one tied cited the criminal case that has been closed since 2000, where Rachel beat up that girl over some stupid boy, and she was stupid for doing that, but she paid her fine. She was on probation, and it's over with, except when I opened it up, it had 4924 U.S. Highway 35 North on it, which is the state split, where they messed with that land patent under Tony Bond, and that that is tied to the mortgage of the 4393 U.S. Highway 35, one of the original three properties. So when he's saying Tammy Orton to this other address, I know what he's doing. So I And I also, when I looked at it, the deed was dated February 6, 2007. Now there's a year of redemption, so on on the property card it's shown February 6, 2008. That is one day, that's the, an anchor date, February, um, January twenty first of 2008, Rachel went in to buy that house. She made an offer, but it was actually a purchase agreement. Tim Moore, the real estate agent from Lingo Real Estate, told her, hey, he didn't accept the offer. So she told her she'd have to come back in and fill out another one. So she went back in on February the 5th and made another offer slash purchase agreement on improved property. She, he didn't tell her that he was going to copy January 21st, thousand and eight purchase agreement and make two and run that one and those two in the February 5th purchase agreement, complete with promissory notes in unison behind the scenes behind her back. So on February the 6th, that is an anchor date. So this judge knows exactly what he's doing, and this is criminal racketeering. He is redocketing. I So then right after I went and asked this Debbie Lynch for this court record, um, or another court record, the, the, the Bank of America versus Regina Dance, I said I wanted to see that file. She went and got it, and she said, I have to ask the clerk. Well, she, it was a great big file. It's huge. It's like a foot tall. I tried to get a picture of it, and I was at the end. But anyway, this is what happened. She went over and talked to the little girl over by the wall and she's a and she's a black gal that sits over there my daughter actually some dude was beating her up once and my daughter went and called the police because she was getting beat up but she sat over there and she said well i heard her say she can't see anything when judges notes there's notes in there she goes she can't see anything in the green folders and she goes and she said something else to her so this debbie lynch goes you need to come with me come with me she goes uh i i'm not gonna let you see this and I said, "You're you're telling me I'm not." She said, "No, I've, I've been instructed not to let you see it." And she, I said, "Well, then I'm gonna look on the computer." She goes, "No, no, no," she goes, "I will look on the computer, and you can tell me what you want to look at. You're not even allowed to touch the mouse. You're not allowed to touch the mouse." And I said, You're tell." I said, "What is your name?" And she put her badge kind. Of, I said, "Tell me your name," and she said, "Debbie Lynch." And I said, "Okay," I said. That's fine. You're telling me that I'm not going to be allowed access to these records, these public records and that public computer. And the clerk that I I suspected, Judge Horns, clerk, was sitting right there. I said, there's other people in here. She said, you're not touching anything. So I, she said, you come out here. You come out here while I get your uh, papers together and, and get this case that you wanted. You're not looking at this file. And I said, so you're telling me that I'm not allowed. I kept saying, I said, cite me the code that says I'm not. She said, you're just not going to look at it. Neil, it was a foot tall. It was two files. So that is one of the shadow dockets. That's just like the one that I got into, the 89 um, ending in 025, the Mears versus Charles and Annette Scott. And, of course, they changed the name whenever 938 South 17th was foreclosed upon. Doyle took over. They changed the name on the outside on Docspot, but inside that file, it shows Mears and Deutsch Bank as trustee of who knows who because it just doesn't stop. There's a comma, so it lets them add on. So here we've got another stolen identity or a straw owner, um, a paper doll owner, if you will. This chick, Vicky Joe. um, Lorton-Olinger, and they were foreclosed upon two or three times. You can tell it's a, it's a kind of a shady filing, so I'm going to get that scanned for you today. I wanted to explain that. And then another thing, let's see, I think, and I included in it's so a Lorton-Olinger judge, judge order file. So I included in how I found this information and the various names because there's several more, but I just didn't want to get way out there. I wanted to stick right to the judge's order on this. Then I included the Diddy Court case, so let's go into that. I tried to put it in order, but it kind of fell out. So I show the 921 2012 U.S. Bank Files Wrongful Foreclosure, um, and that just shows what they filed. And then I showed Rachel's initial answer, 10 20, 2012 Then I show Rachel Diddy's motion to correct Exhibit 2 and add the affidavit, which, by the way, the judge said that the Exhibit 2 could be um, corrected because what we did was we put in the mortgage that, uh, the mortgage that was in that um, Tim Moore's file. But the judge denied. He didn't say he denied the affidavit. He just said that Exhibit 2 could be corrected, and the affidavit was just sitting there. So on 12-28-2012, Rachel filed her answer and her counterclaims, admissions and denials and counterclaims. And in her admissions and denials, she put her counterclaims. Then she got more specific with the counterclaims, and she included the affidavit in there and the MetLife data and all that. So that file's in there for you to review if you want to. And then, of course, then we get this attorney in, in uh, March, around March 2013, we get this attorney. And he enters an appearance under a totally different address down in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. And he spells the name wrong, and he wouldn't correct it until um, August, uh, August. of two, he, And I've got several emails. I didn't include those, but I'm just telling you that I have those where I'm telling her, the secretary, have him correct that file. He has the name spelled wrong, and he has the address wrong. So this address is tied in, too, because he knew what he was doing, and it's been foreclosed upon, too, around the same time, various times. It looks like that lady died, and it's a house worth a lot of money that's tied to a house, a trust in Cincinnati. It's tied to the uh, treasury or the tax collector down there. And something about a... uh, corporation out of texas the tax the tax collectors i think what it's called it's in texas though it ties to texas it's a lawyer-in association so rachel filed that nobody answered anything until this attorney had me do a settlement conference because i have a broad and sweeping power of attorney for rachel so i did that rachel was here but i did the talking and i talked to a wendy kitchell and uh of course, Andrew Thompson was on there and uh, this ragusi chick. And what's, what's interesting is, um, you know, I told them what was going on. And then, then Wendy said, well, why didn't you sue the homeowner's insurance? And I said, well, Wendy, according to Rachel, I said, Rachel, were the homeowner's insurance people in the room with you? And she said, no. And I said, that's why, Wendy. Do you want me to sue everybody? I said, nobody's suing anybody. You guys were coming after her for a wrongful foreclosure where you didn't assign the note right, and it shows in those three properties how you're weaving in and out of them. You jacked the files up. You marked out stamps and everything on the date, and if you think you're going to get away with stealing the grandchildren's identity, you ladies got another thing coming. So then Andrew comes like, now, Carol, um, just I said, no, Andrew. This isn't going to happen, and the way they're acting right now shows good and well they don't even have a bit of a conscience about what they've done. And I said, the fact is, Rachel's been paying U.S. Bank all along, and she was paying it when they foreclosed too. She was not behind. I'm I'm glad that they foreclosed in a way because she would have never known, but she was paying it, so they owe her every penny she ever paid back, and I put that in the uh, we put that in the twelve twenty eight two thousand. Um, 12 pleadings that um, they have misassigned this, and that's not between her and them. That's between each other. But instead of fixing it, they continue on. So we have this settlement conference, and the U.S. bank attorneys, Fowdy and Fowdy, enter a one-page answer, finally, to uh, admissions and denials. And other people were served as well back 12, 28, 2012, the judge, and it was, they were served and summoned. And I'll send that separately, but they, I, I actually have this, where they signed off on it, the judge would not enter the other parties like abstracts, title of Richmond, or any of them. He would not. And I have a, where I talked to the clerk, and she said that is a counter complaint. And it was, because U.S. Bank did not answer the first 11 pages. They answered the part that said counter complaints in the heading. So that gives it validity. So then Andrew Thompson gets caught with the insurance collection behind the scenes via emails from Fidelity and Lawyers Title Group where I was talking with them and sharing information with them, doing conference calls, sharing what I've shared with you. And, you know, the one guy's like, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. We'll come to um, find out this guy accidentally wrote me or this lady, Dana, from Lawyer's Title, told me to contact this Matthew Thurber. So I did. So he wrote me back and said, I, I'm sorry there's been some misunderstanding. I'm representing the lenders, and um, Andrew Thompson is in charge of the just now tendered claim of your daughters. So he got fired after that. Um, shortly after that, when when they, uh, he, he sent a letter saying, oh, they denied it, and I said, you boys are going to be lucky to have a license, and it is ridiculous, because I do not wish to ruin anybody's life this way. I haven't made any judicial complaints, but I'm going to, because I actually talked to the Supreme Court um, judicial um, clerk of court, Robin, after this incident up at the courthouse. So, Andrew Thompson then, on November the second, it's in the perk summary, and I have post it notes or comment summary, so you can just read that. But he was fired and he was uh, dismissed. But he wasn't dismissed, the judge is He didn't dismiss the guy who entered, Andrew John Thompson, Andrew J. Thompson. He dismissed the law firm. So this attorney's sitting in the background with the insurance mill because on November the 7th, he filed into that case. Um, Bank of America versus Regina Dance at all. I know Regina Dance and I know um, um, hold on a minute Laurel and Cooper they were married and that case was over. I talked to I talked to Laurel I talked to, to Regina. That case was over and that's the big file I saw the other day. That case was over and as a matter of fact Clay Miller who is a county councilman or a city councilman he's the one that referred me to Andrew Thompson, and he said he handled a case like that and got a settlement. So that case was over, and and Clay Miller, the common counsel, he he wrote right on the referral, she solved the case, something about identity theft, she just wants it dismissed. We tried the whole time to just get him to dismiss it since they didn't answer. He wouldn't do it because he was running the mill. So on November the 7th, he filed a some kind of a paper into that case. And I thought, wait a minute, this case is over with. So I got, I looked in and it said that they had a bad address for Laurel. And so I called him and he's like, Carol, the case has been over. Let me, let me. he goes, well, let, go ahead and call Regina see I And mean, he gave me the number. He said, go ahead and call her and see what um, she has. He goes, that case has been over. And uh, so I knew that him and the judge were committing yet another crime on a shadow case or a redocket, if you will. So I wrote Chief Wolfsky and I think Ken Horte and uh, told him a crime was about to be committed. And I think I forwarded that to you, Rich Delmar. I'm pretty sure I did. So that's what that was about. Well, I saw the case the other day. But by that time, I, w- I didn't know how, my hands were freezing cold. I have scleroderma um, and, I'm- and I, get real- I get really, really cold and it makes me really sick. So my cell phone, I couldn't get the camera to work Right, or my husband's cell phone. But I saw it with my own two eyes, and uh, while she was getting the papers that I got from the other court case, the um, the uh, Lorton and Olinger file, which was tiny. But the big court case, it's great big, so that's the file, and it was in the elevator that goes up and upstairs and downstairs. They had to pull it down. There were also people, and they're getting read of records, they're violating that Rule 7 or abusing that... Um, there's a Rule 7 for retention. So what they're doing is trying to get rid of stuff real fast. And I don't care what they do because this can be proven with documents, and they're there, are their own documents. So these anchorages are all matching up. So then, let's see. Camille L. Ortman enters the picture around 3-14 of 2015, which is Rachel's reported closing date. And she puts in a fake mortgage. That's not at the land records. She orders, she asks for discovery and she asks for a deposition. We give her all of the discovery we have except for one thing. And that one thing is, and I haven't sent it to you yet, but I have it. They forged, my daughter had 18000 something dollars in the bank. They forged a bank account number that, and I have proof that they took that amount, they did something with Rachel's bank account balance, and then they, they said that it was half of a payoff. So in this, I'm going to send it to you, but there's a mortgage affidavit stating she's married. It's not in this folder and and all kinds of stuff. But they actually forged that saying that somebody had gotten half of that, and that's the amount she had in her savings account, for goodness sakes, that she had saved. So then, we sent her all the discovery and gifts and all kinds of documents. We sent them into the court too. We sent him back a secret shadow docket, and uh, we sent it registered mail. Of course, it's not showing. It's entered into the record, but that's okay. It was sent. So um, then she had. We had the deposition. I went in to do the depo- I went in and said I would like to take notes. Tammy Ortman was being a real pill. She was just trying to intimidate and trying to do her posturing. And uh, Rachel got real scared. She's like, you know, what do I do? And Tammy Ortman said, if you leave, I'll have you for contempt of court. It was at a hotel locally. She goes, what do I do? And I said, you, what do you want to do? And uh, she said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. And Tammy Ortman goes, if you leave, I said, are you threatening her? She said, no, I'm not threatening her. I'm saying I have her for contempt of court. So, Rachel went out. I said, she'll be back in a few minutes. And Rachel went out in the hallway with me. I said, go in there and just tell the truth. Just tell the truth and, and don't let her wrangle you into any closed questions where she closes you off. Go in there and tell the truth. So, she went in there and she was in there about two hours and 15 minutes. She came out. And Tammy Ortman wouldn't let me take notes at all. So, and and... I handed her a piece of paper telling her some of the crimes that she may be committing and that under the common law I should be allowed in there, that that is my daughter, um, that's my offspring. I don't know exactly what I said, but I told her, I said, I want to take notes is all. I'm not going to, and she said, no, absolutely not. So anyway, that transpired with Rachel and I, and uh, we went out in the hall talked to her. She went back in, Rachel came back out, and she said, do you know that she took my license right out of my hand, and she started writing down my number, and I told her to give it back. She goes, I am telling you, she's being a bitch on purpose, mom. And I said, well, you need to calm down, and you need to finish this thing up, because you're here, you might as well finish it up. She goes, I don't think I can take her. I'm telling you, she's acting, she's making faces and being real shitty. So, Rachel, I said, you're grown, so do, she's grown, but she's not competent, and she's not used to this type of stuff at all. So Rachel went back in. She came back out about 15 minutes later. She goes, I told her it was over, and I told her why, and she said, and now let's go. And I said, you need to leave a list as to why. So, so the, the, we, she got the list, we put it underneath the door, and we left. Well, Tammy Ortman right away issued a motion for sanctions for uh, not showing up to the deposition and for not um, for her to pay a provision or for Rachel to pay mortgage taxes and insurance. Now, Rachel went to this hearing and we replied to that. We replied with counters and da 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 and da da da. The judge saw it, he knows what's going on, and he saw that she put in a fake mortgage. He saw my affidavit. He saw the fact that it was written that Tammy L. Ortman actually took my testimony, but she put my name under Carlo Isaacs. This is the kind of slick stuff these people pull. And then Rachel was spelled R-A-C-H-E-L, just like the judge spelled it. And by the way, the mortgage insurance is in that name too, R-A-C-H-E-L. No, and and the property that's tied to her biological mother's birth certificate and assistant. So she goes in, and the judge says this could be retaliation. First of all, he warned Rachel to to not. Rachel said she's telling. Um, Tammy Ortman got to speak, and she was shaky because she knew that we knew she put in a fake mortgage. But the judge said this could be viewed as retaliation, and he kind of grinned a little bit, and he looked at Rachel, and he goes, "Well, um, what, um, what, what exactly do you have?" So she goes, "Well, one thing, Your Honor, she's lying to you," and he goes, "You need to. I want to warn you. You need to be very, very careful, or something like that." So he started um, asking Tammy if she had a bill of particulars. And then he told Rachel, she said, I have a witness and I have it. And he goes, No, 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 no. Um, he started asking her questions like, Did you take out a mortgage? And she said, Yeah, but I don't know which mortgage, and she, and she does know which mortgage, but he, he she was caught off guard. So this judge basically railroaded her very quickly, wouldn't wouldn't allow her to have a witness, wouldn't let her produce evidence, never asked for any. He did his order stating that all the evidence was in. Well, of course it was. He only took Tammy Orton's evidence based on a false mortgage because this is part of a huge scam. It's huge. Just three properties alone, just the three properties alone that they pulled her into, if it was trouble damages on the insurance side, somebody's collecting on trouble damages $3.877 million. So this is a big deal. Just on this tiny level, and it's going on all over the place here in town. Every single property Paul Stickle touched, this is involved with because they're not stopping. They're actually, when they do these redockets, I went to a meeting last night with some local people, about five of us met. And uh, we talked about this tax thing and this redocket thing. What they're doing behind the scenes with these warrants, that, the warrants that are in that file. Paul, it, shows, it shows a sheriff's deed to Paul Stickle that he paid for. Now, he paid for that. But it also shows a check from Mears to the clerk of courts. And the date on that check does not matter under UCC. What matters is the written amount. They'll still honor that. And what also matters is the way it's written out. That's all that matters under UCC. They can say it's void after it is not void. And those warrants, they dated to 2006. Those belong to a tax warrant under Annette Scott that was already paid in 2003, and the other one belongs to Charles Scott, a weed lien from 2007. Now, this is showing as something that was done in 2006. It was not. It was done in 2009. And if you take that tax warrant uh, price and that weed lien price, and you take $1, which is what the recorder charges to record a deed <laughs> over there, and that's the exact amount of those warrants, and that is the exact amount of the uh, check they collected from MIRS based on false warrants, and the transaction happened around April 2009. So it happened in 2009 when 938 South 17 sold. This is how they do the judicial mill. This is a judicial foreclosure state. So behind the scenes, they're taking an interest in the property or claiming to and actually collecting taxes. And Rachel, by the way, was charged uh, an ungodly amount of taxes. I have proof that all of those, all three of those properties, if not all four, were all paid in 2008. And Jennifer, the, the treasury clerk, said he had a lot, we had a lot of problems with Lingle being back behind on taxes. So the tax scam that they're running is something else, and the same thing happened on this new property that's coming in, this 218 Northwest H Street, that this judge, in his order, is showing completely what he is doing. No one's holding his hand doing this. He's doing it. He's naming her different names, different spellings, and then he's actually pointing to Diddy, and and, and, in quotations, you go into Doc's Pop, who was uh, Roy Onthco, and I sent information on him, go into Pop. it shows three open cases. The latest one that was just filed, and Rachel doesn't even know what it's about, is for the uh, third name. Because they have to have all three names in the system so they can run the mill and tie these funds through that way. And that's exactly what's going on here. So that's where we're at now. And we've got a crooked judge that's... Uh, This is what's going to have to happen to keep my daughter out of jail. Tammy Ortman, December the 22nd, sent Rachel notice of this. And it was funny, the mail stopped to my daughter's house. She had to actually be present so that the uh, uh, mail lady, the supervisor, said she had to come there and inspect and make sure that Rachel was in her home. So we got a hold of the postmaster, and he said, oh, Oh no! it's, uh, it's it, we thought maybe you had moved. She said, "Why did you think we moved? I got furniture. I got blinds up." She said, "Why did you stop my mail? Because it caused her to miss important deadlines for like ten days. They stopped it. So she's written them a letter and she's waiting on a response back, asking him what his policies are and why would he have done that and if he had a fiduciary relationship with the judge, which they do have a fiduciary relationship with the court. The postmaster does. So." Tammy Yorkman sent a notice out to her, give good reason, within seven days. Well, right before the, they started delivering mail again, then she sent a citation, a, a notice to put a citation on Rachel. And in two days, the judge signed it. And that citation is to be read to Rachel, and if she doesn't show up, they're going to issue a warrant for her to explain why she's not paying this, unless she pays it. So... The only thing I can think of to do, since we've got a crooked judge and I'm not, I, I have to have time to move this into the federal jurisdiction, I'm sure he's going to fight it because he doesn't want everybody to see his business. The only thing I can think of to do is she's going to have to pay it under duress and state so state she's not complying with this because he's trying to make her contract. He's playing, um, he's actually modifying and changing things for this attorney with his order. And that's not allowed. That's not allowed in all, on all kinds of levels. And he's doing it under a code the legislature brought in and playing games with that code. So this is how they do it, right under somebody's nose. And I can't believe that him knowing that we know what we what we know, that he would do this, but um, the shit was hitting the fan when I was at that courthouse. As far as me getting that file, things got real real weird after I got that file. Like it was almost like somebody said... Daryl Isaac's checked in. We got her ID in the system and she's down there and oh my God, she pulled the case. She knows what you've done. Right after that, I wasn't even, she goes, you're not even allowed to touch the mouse." She was very bold and brazen with the way she treated me and I was just like, okay, uh, are you kidding? She's like, no, I'm not. You can't even touch the mouse." So, I went ahead and left and I went back over to, uh, I went up to the judge's uh, clerk and told her I wanted to order the transcripts she said well she's not here she's downstairs I said oh so that verifies that's who was down there in that room with her and talking to her so I went ahead and left the courthouse went over the land records office and Deborah Rash was there she had just pulled all the documents for this 218 Northwest H Street and I told her I wanted Deborah Barry, that's the main clerk of courts in charge there. She's the one signing all this stuff. She signs warrants. She and her stuff in the judgment docket. She's the head clerk. She's been there for years. I told her I wanted a rose, and I wanted the insurance policy that's on her because I have no choice at this point except to sue everybody that's not um that's involved in this because this isn't okay. So I have a right to file against these people and no immunity exists when they're acting outside of their oath they took to the Constitution and they're acting in fraud. There is no immunity once you catch them doing this kind of stuff. So I got that and she was very nice. She said "Carol, I'm so sorry. I said, don't worry about it. I said, evidently um, me paying taxes and thinking that everybody's supposed to obey the law and um, working hard my whole life and thinking that I could go to the officials locally for anything has just went out the damn window. I said, it's not your fault. I said, but I'm telling you, I, I've just about had enough with this, so I'm going to end up, um, I'm just going to have to go ahead and get everything that I have on all of them as far as their oaths and the insurance for public um, official dishonesty and uh, go ahead and have those handy for when I file suit against them in federal court, if not the United States Supreme Court, because this is not how it's supposed to operate. These three branches are supposed to be separate. And I can write those kind of briefs. I worked under a federal attorney for eight years, and it's about my property concerning me. It ties right to my birth certificate. So we have a problem here. So that's, I was very, very upset about that. So I've been working hard on some things, like gathering this case, this judge's code out to this chip. And I think that's about it for Rachel's file. Now let me move on. I sent you Chris and Rachel's file. My son is Christopher Michael Johnson. His girlfriend is Rachel Lynn Myers, and they had a case that Walt Chigester brought against him and her. They were effectively renters for months, and they found out they were overseas, and they foreclosed upon them as if they owned the house. They knew that they had changed their address. They knew they were going to Germany and they put affidavits in, big lies. And the girl, the lady who was involved in this is a city clerk, by the way. And Chris Chris and Rachel had moved into this house. They were going to purchase to buy. Unless they couldn't come up with the money by February 12, 2012. So they left at the end of 2012. They were renters that whole year. This Jane Young... Her father had died. His name was Charles Phillips. And you'll see the case, how it's, it's pled pretty clearly. So basically, they came in, and we caught them at the last minute. So um, I included all those case files. It has two addresses in there, too. So you need to, it's the same party, same players, everything, same pattern, two addresses. Then I included the Lorton file. I have the 218 Northwest H name of Tammy Lorton. There's various names involved with this, too. I have Horn and Hyde and Lorton, a picture where um, Ford Motor Credit Company, Robert A. Olinger, Vicki J. Olinger, Lorena Lorena D. Arnold, Charles Hyde Jr., twice, and, of course, Judge (coughs) Gregory Horn. This up. this uh, Vicki Joe Lorton, I suspect, isn't real. She's about like Annette Scott. Annette Scott, there's a birth certificate for her from England down in the files. It would make her, like, I don't know, really, really old um, to be married to Charles Scott. That Charles Scott was dead back in the ni- early 1900s. So this Charles Scott was. It is Chuck Hyde for sure. Then I've got the phone number, how I found the phone number. And then I have their how they're combining the cases and just various documents about that. So that will be interesting to you, I think. And then I have, let me go first to the separate files. I have separate documents. I have the property card for 202 North 16th, which is where in the uh, Mirrors um, versus Charles and Annette Scott is where they sent, that's the actual address under Annette Scott. Charles Scott doesn't have an address because he's Chuck Hyde. But um, the 202 North 16th, the heading, and the heading of the case, that's where they had her living at. So I included that property card in to show some anchor dates, if you will, March the 18th, which is the day that the recorder recorded my daughter's uh, um, title, insurance, and sent it back to her in her mortgage. And then I have the 218 Northwest H Street property card. Then I have the 938 South 17th. There is evidence that Paul Stickle is using the name Paul Burns as well. So Burns Enterprises bought this 938 South 17th. Then, of course, I included uh, the summary. That's the same thing as the B file I sent you earlier. And then I included some conflicts with the lawyers of abstracts title of Richmond. I included a convert event when they convert these parties and the clerks court some of their language. I included... The David Coop land patent I talked about um, from the GLOW records that matches my daughter's case and the session number. It's just a screenshot. So I just wanted to show you that you don't have to vet that out because I'm not lying to you. This is the truth. You can't make this stuff up. Then I got U.S. Bank applying the payment on 4-7-2008 right after um, um, they redo the loan. They apply a payment and they charge her uh, per dean, which means she was already in foreclosure, and they reapply the loan all over again. So I include that, and let's see. New scan fraud in the court, and let's see what this is. Oh, I have what the recorders have filed. Um, the actual recorder, what she's put into her case summary on Rachel's case. They've left all kinds of stuff out, and you can see the way they're doing the names in the system. And I'm sure Rich is an attorney. He'll know what's going on with this. So they're doing that, the kind of little games that they're playing. They're not entering things properly. And like Rachel's affidavit, yeah, there, was, there was a mention that we did a motion to add it. Of course, the judge just added a corrected exhibit, too. So what I did, 1228, I had Rachel include that affidavit. It is in compliance with Federal Rule 11 and local rule as well. So that shows where Paul, that shows the exhibits, and it's not very big, and it goes, you know, it shows Paul Stickle and her both being buyers. Now, why would that be? Why would they both be buyers? It shows the fake mortgage affidavit, too, stating she was married. Now, Paul Stickle's address. I wanted to give you his new address. Isn't that lovely? I have his new address. So he's working at Camper World, by the way. So he likes to post on Facebook. And I'm friends with his wife. She seems like a nice girl. She uh, she had thyroid cancer. Um, so he's dating a state court judge now. And, uh, you know, his old girlfriend's in prison. I don't know what that guy's got, but I think he's creepy looking. So now I'm going to go to... Oh, I've included him in the... Uh, you're going to like this. Um, I included in testimony for MetLife, but I included in my family coop. I am Carol Lynn Coop. That's my birth certificate that the State of Indiana can't come up with. One of the things I noticed about the IRS special agent, she said do not, um, I had called about something, she said do not call the state of Indiana IRS because it's being investigated. Now Kathy Cox said that. That was in two thousand and fourteen, the beginning of it. So so she didn't want me contacting anybody in Indiana concerning any of this because they were looking at them. So the, the Indiana guy in charge of the, the IRS, she did not want me to contact him because I did. And she said, do not contact him because you don't want to talk to him. There's a problem. And let's, and I have phone records that you, it, I have them or you guys can pull them or whatever that shows where they called me from Ogden, Utah. Now the... IRS Criminal Investigation Unit that called me, though, was a girl named Nita. She, and it came up private like yours does, Neil. She said, she's a grandmother and mother, too. She said, girl, I'm sending this to three different departments. This has been floating around here for a year and a half, and this can't be happening. And I said, are they, they're avoiding taxes? She goes, not only that, they're colluding with others. She said, so there's three different places I'm about to send this to. So I don't think that these federal investigators would be telling me that if they weren't trying to do something, and I think they're being blocked. Like Kathy Cox said in March of, uh, no, it was actually the end of February 1st of March, she said somebody got into my IRS whistleblower claim, which I sent to you guys, and they had basically tried to shut it down. And uh, I noticed that later on that they sent me a letter saying thank you and that I was um, a claimant. And now the intervener would be taking over, which is under Circular 230, which is attorneys and accountants working for the IRS. So it looks like somebody's hijacked the whistleblower claim, huh? And it's a pretty big one because they named that life. But what was done was an L1 or an L9. So I noticed that in the LEAP program, um, in the public access, the the LEAP program has those kind of forms in them. So... Something's going on behind the scenes, Neil. Not only that, there's evidence of warrant fraud on my grandson who just turned 18. Now, he got arrested because I had him arrested because he had marijuana and was mouthing off and going to go get after these boys who had been beating him up. Um, and they, they, this kid, like I said, stabbed him. Please I called up and we found out who he was and told them where I thought he was. They didn't go after him. He stabbed Zachary again in the head. While he was in jail, he got hold of a cell phone. And uh, evidently, Zachary went to a, a friend's house for a um, pizza party or something. And these were old people. These were nice people in a nice house. They were like in their 70s. Zachary goes down the basement and there's two grown men, at least uh, at least two grown men. And the rest of them were underage, like Zachary. They beat him with lead pipes and guns. He had welts all over him. He's like, I can't call the police. If I call the police, they'll get that gang after me even more. So my grandson has been terrorized by these fucks, and I'm sick of it. I'm really sick of it, and I know what they're doing. So here he is. He, I called the police to keep him safe because he wants to go out and kill these guys, he's, and he's acting out of his head. He wasn't right. So I call the police. They put him in jail, and he spends a number of months in uh, boys' school. And he gets out, and he's 10 days past 18 years of age. He's walking down the street. This group of boys, the savages, they're a gang. And and Zachary said they have connections with the police. The police won't do anything. And I called the police about him. I said, well, you know, they've got machine guns. They've threatened to kill him. And Linda said, Cheryl, I know who you are, and thank you, thank you. They never do a thing with these people. So they were chasing these boys, evidently, but Zachary didn't run or anything. The boy he was with did run through somebody's yard. Well, the police picked him up for burglary. They were out at 7.15 in the morning going to the VP. One of them was heading for work. These boys were going to beat him up. So Zachary told me, because I wasn't in the yard or anything, so we bailed him out, and uh, even the public defenders said they don't even have any evidence. There was nothing taken or anything. And I said, well, in the police report, it says that he identified one. That must have been Sunder. And, and Zachary said Sunder ran through his yard. He did run through his yard. We were all in because they were going to get us because that's one of the the gang that once beat him up before. So they pick him up for burglary. But in the courtroom, they call the charge of robbery. Now." They also, and when he bailed out, then he was going to meet with the public defender, Mr. Connor. Zachary said while he was sitting out there, the sheriff showed up and said, we have an arrest warrant for failure to appear for a drug charge. She's like, what? And he said his public defender came out and said, oh, no, 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 that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Um, that's been dropped. And the paper listed Zachary as 17 when he was 10 days past 17. That shows me a database isn't being updated. So what they're doing is they're going back to the minor account, and they got another paper doll prisoner going on. Uh, Zachary, when I went up there with him, Steve Rabe walked in and said, hey, Carol, what are you doing here? He was my professor out at the, one of the classes I took in college. And uh, I said, I'm here with my grandson. So all the deputy uh, prosecutors, there's about five of them in there, they came and looked through the glass. And then here comes Michael Shipman, who had went in earlier, and he sits down in front of the person and acts like he's going to do a file, but he doesn't get anything. Well, then here comes Zachary's public defender. He goes, Zachary, they don't even have anything on you. You don't even have to go in there. I'm going to take care of this for you. You just let me. He goes, I don't. we don't need you to go in. He goes, it's okay. Can you just wait downstairs? Zachary's like, are you sure? Because remember, he goes... Can you just wait downstairs? He goes, they don't have anything on you. He goes, they don't even have good pictures. So we went downstairs and waited on him. He came down a few minutes later. And he, Zachary said, I want my grandmother to come in with me. He goes, that's your call. That's fine. So I go in there with him. And uh, the guy goes, uh, they don't even have good pictures. It doesn't, even, it, it doesn't even look like anything. The door was broken or anything. I can't even tell what this is a picture of. I said, well, they're saying in the papers, that they have pictures of the subjects and, and the garage tore up. And he goes, no, they don't. I said, okay. I said, what's the difference between burglary and robbery? He, he goes, well, that was a mistake. That was a mistake from that. That guy didn't know exactly what he was writing. I said, are you talking about the newspaper? And he said, yeah, that they retracted that. I said, no, we're talking about in court. I said, Zachary, he goes, yeah, the, those guys that set those prosecutors, I guess, they called out robbery. And he said, "Well, they should know the difference and uh I said, Would you agree that uh, this is probably a pretty lucrative business, huh? He goes, Well, I couldn't disagree with that. I said, well, um what about the uh what about the uh arrest warrant for him wanted on a drug charge or something?" And he said, Well, well, that was a mistake. I said, Well, that would require a judge's signature, wouldn't it I said, because I'd like to see that. And he told me I needed to, he said, well, maybe you just need to chill. Maybe you need to smoke some marijuana, Grandma. And I, I said, that's not even funny. I said, I just want to know what's, I said, I think something funny's going on here. I said, in his file, it says that it shows that he's a minor. It shows a drug charge in there. And he said, that's the other kid and Zachary goes no it's not it's me and I said and it says change me and his status so Neil they're doing something with the warrants down here and they're feeding it in to the LEAPS program and if anybody could find it out you could and I don't want any more problems out of these guys because I'm telling you he didn't do anything wrong and he hasn't ever since this has been found out it has been retaliation city to the point of both of my daughter's houses were SWAT team the day the SWAT team was at Ivy Tech I can't believe it. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell it like it is because I am going to have to at this point protect myself. Not only that, the nine-year-old, the one with the warrants, he was nine when they went and arrested him because he got in a verbal altercation. This one kid called him a cracker and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, and the little boy, the other little boy, he called him the N-word. They arrested him. And the other little boy... They didn't do anything to, and it wasn't just his side. It was the teacher talking. They actually arrested Cameron. Then the off-duty, one of the off-duty sheriffs came to Rachel's house. Said C- Cameron, "This is the woman with the warrant, Was down at the school involved in a fight and was fighting." She said, "No, he wasn't. If he was with me, he was not down there." So. He said, I think I smell marijuana, don't you? And the guy goes, no. And he goes, well, I think I do. And she goes, hey, you can come in here if you want. We don't have any marijuana here. You're welcome to come in. He goes, no, I don't need to. But by golly, he wrote it in the report. So we went to Misty Hollis with that and told her about what's been going on. My daughter's taking her two boys out of public schools because Ron Cross runs the public schools. He's the attorney for the schools. So it's nothing but harassment. And I understand, I called the police on my grandson, for goodness sakes. I want my grandchildren, I called the police on my son when he was 14 for stealing because he stole. I want them to be law-abiding. But I don't need the police helping this thing along by building more fake warrants and thinking I'm not going to catch on to it. Because I'm telling you, they're doing some changes here. I can't get hold of his minor account, but I bet his mother, or he can, and they've got the originals. I haven't even looked at that yet, but they're tying him back to when I had him put in jail. So it looks like Zachary Ray Nethery, that's his name, is a Zachary Ray Ray now in the top system. Or it's under his minor account since the paper um, listed him as such as a, a minor, and then they stated how they don't typically put minors in the paper. So that's what's going on with my family. And I think that's just some of it. I can't go anywhere without, like when the police were circling my house, I thought maybe they were protecting me. Come to find out, Chief Wolfsky's the one who has ghost employees and all kinds of stuff, so Laura Roberts called the State Highway Patrol. Now Scott called me. Todd O'Connell his name, and I actually know him. He called me. I forget what it was about. It was about something him and I had worked on before, I think a murder down in Connorsville. Somebody told me that they knew where that young girl was, Sandy uh, Plum Girl, and uh, told me and a friend of mine when I worked out at Hills, and we talked to him. So he called me just to ask me how I was doing. I said, I'm doing okay. But when she called the State Highway Patrol, um, it was actually... And O'Connell, which was an older guy, who was an investigator, who called me. And I told him what was going on. Then shortly after, I told him that they were trading on Wall Street, the City of Richmond Traffic Division um, was trading on Wall Street and doing business as Walsh on Wall Street, it says. Um, Highland Heights Golf Course under the Parks and Recreation Department. That disappeared. But it was too late. I already memorialized it. So... Now I'm going to do the Met Life file. I do one that says, let's see, I do a Word document that I put in here that has the actual links to their testimony where they talk about, and you were going to want to listen to this. This is all about the life insurance uh, scam they're pulling. Um, and then I do some of the groups, the SEC filings, uh, how they got in trouble at the bank, but they They weren't fine for the buy, sell, sell, buy. I don't think people know about that too much yet, or they're not paying attention. that this is, uh, when they demutualized, they had every plan, and they planned it. They were going to take from the pension and, and pension funds, and then they were going to go over to the mortgage banking side. And then, of course, old Ben Moshe went on over to AIG, and you hear all kinds of controversy about that but I don't think it's uh, legal for an insurance company to do these sort of things, uh, make people dead civilly. I put my de- civil death in here for you, too, the Carolyn Coop to show you where they killed me up off in Michigan, and if you look at the paper there, and it's Carol L. Coop, and there's, and my mom's like, Carol, there is no other Carol Coop. I said, well, there might be somewhere. I said, but not in Henry County where Grandpa's farm's at. I said, but they have got me as dead. The birthday's. Uh, 3 months which is 90 days behind January 21st that um, they have me as dead and you then it takes you right to the death master death file which is what MetLife talks about so i've been able to track these names in their database and i and i can track them in docstop too i can track the transactions that's another thing i got to write that down i want to send you where they took Chandler's identity down to Spencer County, Indiana, and I want to send you Cameron's identification. And my granddaughter and grandson, Jacob um, David Weisong and Megan Riley Weisong, them, they have them looking as if they're married in the system, and that's part of what that might. Uh, Michael shouldn't say where where there's no children's name in there. There's all kinds of children's name in there. They're putting it in there left and right, and they're doing it so that people can get the data. If you look at Docs Pop, you can see clearly what they're doing. They tout that kind of stuff, bulk data downloads, and view whatever you want. You don't have to print it up, and and, and I and I included the contract for this uh, Docs Pop too that they went under the state with, and those guidelines they have to go by is that they're not going by. And then I did Matt life testimony before Neil Levin for the demutualization. I did the, um, one of the actuary, Beluche, uh, testimony. And then on the uh, MetLife testimony, there was a guy named uh, Tierney, Mr. Tierney, who's an actuary. I actually spoke with him. And uh, he said, Carol, um, they're d- doing collusion and they're avoiding taxes. He gave me a big long list of stuff that they were doing wrong, and that's part of what I claimed in that uh, 211 whistleblower claim that I put in that somebody hijacked. Well, Whoever hijacked it, maybe they can go ahead and kill them like they're killing the rest rust whistleblowers, but more power to them, they can have it. But I'm just telling you the facts of what's happened, and it's not coming from my speculation. It's coming from um, IRS agents and people in some form of authority. So I'm not lying about this. And I think you'll just go through there and just check it out. It shows all different kinds of stuff on the Life, And I think I'm almost done. I bet you're glad. Let's see. Oh, okay. Oh, the uh, property. One more thing. That property that ties to that criminal case, this little mill the judge has got going on, under this Orton and uh, the spelling of the name Rachel R A C H E L, that ties to the 2000 case, at 4924, the Common Council member, Don. Um, I have to remember his name. Well, I'll find it. Anyway, he was a Common Council. He's a Common Council member now. But he's the one that owned the property when all that was going on. I found that the other day, too. So um, he he owed a bunch of taxes. So they're using this for a tax scam. And it ties into, for sure, Allen County. In the middle of the night, what I did when I was doing these William and Betty Lou Cross, I was saving whatever was in the system memorializing it to word from Doc's Pop. And it would save the hyperlinks. And then I would transport it into Adobe. And I'm pretty sure I sent you all that stuff. Well, in the middle of the night, due to those hyperlinks being connected in the d- Adobe, Fort Wayne, um, Allen County started deleting records of this, Betty Lou and William Cross. So I got like a whole bunch of these. This file has been deleted. This, in the middle of the night, they just started popping up like just like a deck of cards. So they were deleting records in the middle of the night to try to cover this up. And it was right around the time, September, maybe November 2013 timeframe that they were doing this. So I think that's it. I appreciate you guys. I want you to be safe and I hope you're doing the right thing because I'm telling you, if you didn't know it was going on, you do now and there's more to it than you realize because this isn't how it's supposed to be done. I'm sure of that. They can't take government issued property. I've seen cases where um, there was some, there's a video, YouTube video out there about a uh, uh, Florida tax queen. I guess she was bragging and doing all kinds of stuff. Well, what the IRS got her for was stealing identities, but they also got her for stealing government issued property, which is what the birth certificates and the social security cards and the IDs are. Those are government-issued property for our use. Now, the fact that they've been issued to us should not be a liability to someone. We should not have to worry about the very officials that we've elected and are, that are part of government using those in fraud. In the state of Indiana, for goodness' sake, to do a uh, redocketed cases, a person's living in their home making their payment, and it's okay somehow for a judge to foreclose on them behind the scenes? Nah, I don't think so. I don't think there's any doubt about it, none. And I don't think there's any getting out of this. So we're going to get out of this kangaroo court down here, and we're going to go on up higher. And I have been to the Supreme Court before, so I can go there again, because something needs to be done about it. So I'm hoping you guys can help and uh, call me, because I know a lot more. I'm just trying to stick to these documents. I've been researching this for a while. Neil, probably if you would have talked to me back then, I may not have gotten as far as I've gotten. So I'm getting ready to share these with you too. And uh, I'll send this this talk to you because I can't type. I have scleroderma um, of my internal organs and my skin and my fingers hurt. I've been working very hard. Um, And uh, there is uh, no cure. And and uh, it's my immune system attacking my body, so I get real cold. So I'm going to go ahead and get this finished. Thank you, guys. And uh, let me know if you need my help in any way, shape, or form. I'll be sending a little bit more, but I think this is the bulk of it pretty much. And I've shared everything I got with you. I think that, that even that bank account thing is in the photo scan. So um, one of the the files that has all of the uh, color things, but I have the actual proof of what they did and how they did it. And it was that Jessica McGuire, the loan officer. There's only one loan that was signed and it's for the wrong amount. Um, U.S. Bank came in after it, so that shows proof right there. It was for sixty-seven thousand three hundred and excuse me, eighty-three dollars. And U.S. Bank's coming in for the February fifth amount. And then this judge is trying to take it to the other case. And it's evidence. They were like Laurel and Hardy bumping into each other in the clerk's office the other day when I was getting that file after I got it. They were all hurrying around like bumblebees, like, oh, shit. She's got the file. She knows exactly where we're going with this. Because I do. And it goes in and out like this. And when you hire a defense attorney, he does things like file a debt in an already dead court case for a HOPE fund or a TARP fund. And they did a whole bunch of times in that case with that Regina dance. It's huge. It's way bigger than the shadow file. And they did not want me to see it, would not let me see it, and would not even let me look on the computer unless they touched it. I said, I want to see the first one. She goes, what do you want to see that for? So when I did leave there, um, I did leave. And when I came when I came home, I forgot about this, I called the public information counselor. I told him what was going on. Within five, just five minutes of it, he said, "I want you to hold on." He said, "What what you need to do?" and he goes, "If you can't type it out, what I want you to do is do a video." And he goes, "And I just need you to fill out the complaint form." And then uh, he said, "Hold on a minute. I want you to talk to Robin. She's uh, up in the judicial, um, up in the judicial. She's the clerk up there for judicial commission." So I talked to her and she said she said if this is going on I said it is going on she said well we need we need you to do a complaint and we and I told her I said I'm it, it'd be a freaking book I, I can't type this book she goes can you get anybody to type it for you and I said no I cannot I said but you know what if I have to I will she goes wait a minute she came back she goes we'll accept as long as you swear under pains and penalty of perjury, we will accept a video. It's okay to do a video and get it to us as soon as possible. So I don't think this is going to last much longer because this isn't allowed in any kind of form. And they're running warrants behind the scenes and they're, they're running it up through the programs of the government and I can't imagine that somebody would let that happen to these children because it's harming them. And it's harming them. When they're being harassed by the local police and everybody that's supposed to be helping locally isn't, that's a problem. And it could happen to any of us. So I'm asking you guys to please help. I hope you do. And I pray for you. and, And I thank you. Bye.